Hello, this is Victoria Schneps, publisher and president of Schneps Media, with 70 outlets in New York City, Long Island, Westchester, and now AM New York. So today, our power podcast for the powerful women of our region. I am delighted to introduce you to Yvette Green Dennis. Yvette is the Executive Vice President of Program Management at Crescent Consulting. Welcome, Yvette. Thank you. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So I'm a big believer that our childhoods influence who we are today. And I would love to hear about your growing up years and who were your mentors, who were your uh, inspirational people in your life? Oh, my goodness. There are so many. But um, I would say definitely my grandparents, uh, my parents, of which I had four. Uh, well, you got to explain that. Sorry. You can't just <laughs> yeah. let it lay there. <laughs> um, well, my mom and dad were high school sweethearts, and it was uh, – <laughs> They were high school sweethearts. They were 16. Oh, my. Yes, and uh, accidents happened. So um, my mom would kill me if she, she when I called it myself a mistake. I said, that was a mistake. You didn't know better, and you guys were young. She's like, stop saying you were a mistake. And I'm like, what, was I on one purpose? You, did, you, know, you didn't even know what was going on. And so I have a really good relationship. My mom is like my best friend. And so when I say that and she gets upset, stop saying that. It just makes me laugh and do it more just to aggravate her. <laughs> but she Mothers and daughters. Exactly. I wish that everybody had a wonderful relationship with their uh, mom like I do with mine. I wish that for everybody. But I'm a combination for sure of both my mother and my father. Definite combination. My mother is so creative and so is my dad, but like in my head, I'll create something in my head and my mom can bring it to life. And when my dad would create things in his head, that's the same way it would work with our family, you know, that side of the family. So it was, it's ironic just how much they are alike and that the combination I am of the two of them. But also with my stepfather and my stepmother, never of which do I refer to as step, there's also the combination because they were a little tougher. And so I'm this eclectic mixture of four people and it just works. And God has been good to me. He oh, has been really you. good. So with your, uh, your, you call it your second set of parents, let's put it that way, because I think that makes you feel more comfortable. Um, was that hard for you? Were you little? How did that work so, in your life? Well, my mom and my dad got married when I was three. So I was very, very, very young. But I've always been the type, I've never been the type of child that you could say, um, don't do that, without telling me why. Like, there always has to be a logical explanation of it. To me, if it's not logical, I can't absorb it. And I've been like that forever. My, so my mom would subsequently keep her foot in my neck because you don't want to. Be, you don't want your children rude. And if I'm sitting around adults, which we were never allowed to speak anyhow, but they would say they would say something, and she would see my face change. Like that doesn't even make sense. And she'd give me a look, and I'd say, "Okay, let me stay quiet." But that part of that came from my step parents. With them, it, it's it's funny how. My mom and dad were so much alike, and my father and my stepmother were alike but not alike, and my mother and my stepfather were alike but not alike. And it was this dynamic to watch. It was it was something to watch. And each set influenced me, had influence in my life, good, bad, and ugly. You know, they had influence on what did I learn, what to do, what not to do, what worked for me, um, what didn't work for me. 
I learned a lot from both. So I, they are definitely. And then my grandfather, my mother's father, the son rose and said on me where he was concerned. Forget it. Him and my grandmother, there was nobody else in the world. There was only me. Even though they had other grandchildren, it was all about Spunky. That's what he called me, his Spunky. So it was just this wonderful life in Asley Park with my grandparents. It was a wonderful life in Brooklyn with my, my mom and my stepfather. It was a wonderful life in Rockaway with my father and my stepmother. I think somehow when you feel so loved, it builds your self-esteem forever. It's almost Absolutely. the best gift that anyone could get in life. Absolutely. And it's nothing you can buy. It's something you were blessed to have. How did that hold you good stead as you grew in your professional career? Well, coming, I'm glad that I came up the way I did in my professional career. I started running around behind my dad and my uncles and, and my aunt also um, when I was 16 years old. And at that time, the industry was not women-friendly at all. So tell the start again with what was the industry and how you came to it. Because you're a very unusual woman who wears a pink boots and a pink hard hat to construction sites. So go backwards and tell me how that came <laughs> okay. to be. So even before the pink boots and pink hard hat, my dad was into organizing like the coalitions, trying to show them that you catch more flies with honey than you do vinegar. So he would have these meetings with them. And the meetings would be sometime like the Wild Wild West because this organization is fighting with that organization and this one doesn't get along with that one. And I would be sitting there loving it because I'm like, you are all crazy and I love crazy. I wasn't scared. You know what I mean? There was no fear where they were concerned. It didn't matter to me that everybody's got a gun and everybody can start shooting in time. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it really, there was no fear. It was just a matter of, I see what he's trying to tell you guys. And I see that. You're hearing him, but not necessarily understanding. And I used to tell my dad all the time, Dad, you talk up here. And sometimes the comprehension is, you know, is not there. And um, But you had an insight that you were able to advise your father because you were a great observer. Did he accept your insights? Not really. No. A woman. First of all, <laughs> yes, absolutely. I was a woman. That is absolutely it. And it was a good, you know, back then it was really good old boy. The entire industry was definitely a good old boy. It was absolutely not women friendly at all. As I've told you before, when I joined the union, and my dad made me get in the union trying to deter me. Now, uh, which part of the union? I got you? in local one elevators and escalators union. Okay. And um, I was the I was one of five women. I was the second black female in the history of this union. I was the only female on the job that I was on. And I had a foreman who thought it was cute and funny to call me, hey, you, her, she, the girl, every and anything but my name. Mm. And so I know this is a learning process. And I, I'm saying to myself, yeah, I have to beat my father on this one. I have to beat him on this one and show him that this is more than just it being how it is. This is wrong. And uh, so I would go home every night complaining, crying tears, telling him, listen, this guy is really picking him. And like, you're not understanding. He's really bad. And my father kept saying, that's the industry. You have to handle it. Okay, so I handled it. Then one day I was crouched down, unbolting a generator to take off the truck for an elevator, to in an elevator installation. And instead of calling my name, he reached across a guy and t put his foot on my hard hat to get my attention. So I stood up and I said to the guy standing next to me, did he just put his foot on me? And all the guy did was take a step back. He, he wouldn't even answer. It was not a pretty sight after what that. What did you do? I want um, detail. I want detail. When I get angry, I'm like the Hulk. 
you know, I, like my adrenaline flows. So I grabbed one part of his anatomy and I grabbed his throat. <laughs> And I threw him off the truck. I dumped off the truck on top of him. And I just started to beat him. And then they were trying to pull me off of him. And I stomped him. The whole time I was screaming and cursing, how do you like my feet on you, mother so-and-so? And And how do you like that? How does that feel? After that, I really got scared because now here's this black woman beat up this white man. You are going to jail today is what I'm saying. And so in my head, I'm saying, okay, um, how am I going to talk my father into bailing me out? Right? How am I going to get this bail money to get out? A uh, couple, of, couple of about a half an hour later, I'm standing there, and I get very, when I when I was young, I used to get very catatonic when I was a man. I could I can't speak. All of these uh, white men came in, big, big white men. They were big, and I'm like, oh man, these are detectives. I'm going to jail today. They're going to arrest me. And a guy came over and said to me, "Are you okay?" So I thought it was a setup question. I didn't respond, and my shop steward said, I told you guys this was going to happen. Then they said, well, let's go downstairs. Now, shanties were in the basement. And at first, I refused. I said, I'm not going in the basement where anything can happen. No, I'm going to stay in the public eye. And so they finally convinced me to go in the basement. And when we opened the shanty door, the foreman was all beat up and bloody. Nose was jacked up. Eye was closed. You did I'm a like, good job. Yeah, footprints all over his face and neck and everything. And I'm like, oh, boy. I'm really going to go to jail. And so the guy sat down in front of him, the biggest guy. He said, so you got your A kicked by a girl. We should have her kick it again for our sport. And I was like, what? (laughs) What is going on? And they had evidently, my shop steward had been reporting to them. He's not treating her right. He's being extra, and I think it's going to go bad. Because they realized that I had the potential. And so the union did nothing but take my side. Shout out to Local One, Elevators and Escalators. They took my side. They definitely defended me. They were they apologized. They were very apologetic. From that point on, that carried my reputation through. Mm-hmm. It was about 25 years later, a couple of guys that worked on the job with me, they had turned contractor, were going to have a meeting with my dad. And my, all my father said to me was, we have a meeting with some guys coming in. Okay. So they came to the office, and I went and opened the office door. I was like, what are you doing here? And they were like, oh, we're going to meet with Daryl Green. And I'm like, so now I'm saying, oh, boy. Okay, so they're in the meeting, and we're talking and laughing, talking old times in the industry, and I'm praying that they don't bring this subject up because I had never told my dad what oh, happened. Oh, my goodness. It was your big and secret they all these did. years. They brought it up, and they started talking, and he, my dad was like, what, what are you talking about? He, they said, you don't know what happened? And he was like, what? And I was like, oh, jeez. So they said, you never told him. I was like, I wish you'd be quiet. Just be quiet. So my father said, what happened? I said, well, I remember I used to come home every night complaining about this for me. He said, yeah. I said, remember I stopped complaining? He said, yeah. I said, what did you think? He said, I just thought it stopped. I said, well, it did. They laughed so hard, and then they they told him Mm. what happened. And he said, what? You never told me that. In my head, I was saying at this point, I had to handle it myself. I handled it, and that's how I've always been. So tell me when that pink hard hat came in. So I was building a job. And uh, now, what jobs were I was you building, on now? We still I was in building, the same, in no, no, the no. This is or? I'm back now as a compliance officer. I'm back in the company, you know. And I, we had a family business. I'm back in the business, and I'm back doing compliance. And I was building 330 J Street. Mm. And we we're in Metro Tech South. Yeah, across from there because we built Metro Tech too. So it was across the street, right? Yes. And um, there was a female teamster. Again, that was a rarity at the time. 
female teamster, and she said, Yvette, I have something for you because only you're bold enough to do this. And she gave me a pink hard hat. I said, oh, forget it. This is forever now. <laughs> oh, I'm going to find it. boots to go with it. And so I had on a hard hat, and these guys were saying, you can't wear that. If you ever want me to do something, tell me I can't do it. Ah, That's just going to make me go. You. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, why can't I wear it? Because it's pink. It's OSHA regulated. I'm wearing this hat. <laughs> and so they tried to, you know, they tried to threaten me and I threatened back because I don't scare easy. I went out that day after work and I found some pink boots and came in the next day with this pink hard hat and pink boots. They were just livid. They were so angry. I love it. And they kept saying, you, power. Can't yeah. <laughs> you can't wear that. And I was just, the more they said it, the more I would wear it. You know, I'd well, wear that's a good lesson. I started wearing pink pants. Everything started turning pink because they hated it. You know what I'm I saying? All you got to do is leave me alone. I'm not bothering anybody. I'm doing my job. Do yours. Um, so to spin ahead and to today, because okay. I know you're working now yeah. with this uh, wonderful company, Crescent um, Consultants. Yes. Tell us a little bit about them. Well, Crescent, at the time when them. my dad was alive and our company, our family company was alive, Crescent was basically competition. We were competitors at the time. So we did the same work. We did MWBE compliance. We did workforce compliance. You know, we all the same things that the Darman Group, which was our company, did, Crescent did. As my dad took sick and I became more and more the forefront um, and eventually got to the point where he had to... Uh, he had to retire. He had to stop. And Forest City asked me to continue on with them because Forest City Ratner was our anchor client for like 30 years. And They've they done asked a few me, good jobs. Yeah, they in have. The yes. Our city. Yes. Our region. Yes. They that built was a good the world. Client. Yes. And they um, asked me to stay on, which I did. And then they decided to turn into a REIT. A REIT is a real estate yes. investment trust company. They decided to turn into a REIT. And so they were breaking down the New York office slowly, slowly, slowly over the course of a few years. So when it became my time to get laid off, it was okay with me because, A, God has always blessed me with work. I've never, you know, unemployment was a choice that I didn't have to bother with. You know, it, it was well, you okay. you basically your own company. Yeah, he, God really took care of me. But I told Gail Bartholomew from Crescent, I said, ah, well, today's my day because she was on the site. And so she immediately, I guess, called Rohan because like two minutes later, he's calling me, Yvette, let's talk. And I said, okay. And that's where we raised to talk about yeah. history. So I need to spin you to another point, and that is your great success has been done by your attitude and your ways of doing business. What advice would you give other women in terms of secrets of success? A, keep God in the forefront of everything you do. B, be true to yourself. If you conform or let somebody make you conform, you will never be successful because you'll always be somebody's girl or somebody's lackey or, you know, I tell women of trade, learn your trade. Do not learn how to get coffee. Don't be the gopher and you're learning a trade. So many women make that mistake and it breaks my heart because you're, if you're a plumber, for example, or a carpenter or any other trade, learn your trade. Do not let them make a glorified coffee girl out of you. They tried to do that with me, make me a glorified coffee girl. I kept saying, I don't want to go get the coffee. Why do I have to get the coffee? I don't want to get the coffee. Finally, one day I came in. I wasn't in a good mood. And you bet you have to get coffee. Okay. I went all around the job. It was guys, oh, I just want a cup of coffee. And they gave me a $20 bill. And I'm writing down everything and everything. So I came back with the coffee and the sandwiches and the whatever everybody ordered. And then I started eating my breakfast. And they were like, hey, my change. I said, what change? They said, well, all I got was coffee. I gave you $20. I said, that's good for me, isn't it? You're not getting any change today. 
Needless to say, that was the last day that I got coffee. I love it. I love it. I got a good $150 tip because <laughs> I kept everybody's money. I told them I wasn't playing with them. I'm not your wife. I'm not your maid. Get out of here. So they that never ended. sent me for coffee. I'd be lying in rails, you know, along when I was in the shaft, lying in rails along with the fellas. I'm here to learn my trade. I know and how to get did. coffee. I don't need to do that. Well, you've had... Green Dennis, you are a powerful woman, and I am so delighted to be able to have the time to chat with you. you. I'm just so honored to sit in front of you. Thank you. And so this is Victoria Schneps signing off, the Power Women, which can be listened to on all of podcast sites, Schneps Media, and wherever podcasts are heard. Bye now. (laughs) 